0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz wrapping up another week. Got a chance to see some NFL football on our TVs on Thursday night. Little Power 5 football, actually. The Miami Hurricanes underway and Uh, Three of the Power Five conferences moving forward, but frustration boiling over here in Big Ten territory. We wrote it up yesterday, James Franklin with an ESPN radio appearance early Thursday morning. Uh, Did not hold back, did not do Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren any favors, really pointing out the issues that the head coaches of all people in this conference are dealing with from a lack of communication. It has now been a full month, 31 days since the Big Ten postponed its season, remember way back then on August 11th, James Franklin also made an appearance on ESPN. That time on the television airwaves with Get Up, making his case for consideration for the conference to hold off on any kind of final verdict for the fall sports season did not work out. Hours later, Big Ten hands down that postponement. There have been consistent reports and speculation that. We may see Big Ten football on the field this fall, but to this point, nothing has come to fruition. depends where you're listening, whether you want to go down that road or not. Um, For now, we don't know when the next Penn State game is. As as I said, maybe it's next September against Wisconsin. I hope not, but we have another opt-out this morning in the Big Ten, Wyatt Davis, Sean. uh, This is really starting to get out of hand uh, in terms of the communication level and the public perception because Ryan Day James Franklin, who doubled down on, on Penn State's own podcast today, Friday. They're coming after Big Ten leadership right now. Uh, clearly, they think it's time to take this to a public forum.
1: Yeah, I guess the, the, they feel that the pressure is necessary right now to get some answers. And I think that's really the question uh, or uh, the the issue at hand here is not so much what's going to happen, but can, can we hear something? And that's something that's been communicated to me from people at Penn State where they're sitting in these meetings with – Uh, You know, parents and players and all that kind of stuff. And parents have all these questions and and they don't have any answers. And that's that's been the case for over a month now. And that's the that's the big sticking point is they're just not hearing it from Kevin Warren, from anybody at the Big Ten. Uh, You look at what's going on the Pac-12 right now and uh, almost called the Pac-10. The Pac-12 right now is there's a lot of guys opting out. But they have an answer. They're not trying to play. They're not trying to get get it going. They're not really worried about whether they're going to play in October, November, January, or whatever thing, or or whatever. The Big Ten is different. It, it's you got guys stringing them along. You have got coaches that basically are saying, "Stick with us. We'll get we'll get you some answers." And when you when we hear about it, you're going to hear about it. And and on one hand, that's keeping players in school. That's keeping players with the team. On the other hand, like Wyatt Davis we saw today, they're just ready to give up and go with it. And especially, you know, not everybody has the luxury of being a top 15 pick like Wyatt Davis or, you know, Micah Parsons or Pat Fryermuth that are going to fall back into that round one or two or something like that. You've got a lot of guys that are just sort of sitting on that bubble and and there's really – you're really not sure what's going to happen with them. So. The, the uncertainty, the lack of communication, it's just kind of boiling over right now. You saw a statement from Franklin, or not really a statement, but you saw Franklin is, is willing to go out there and talk about it. Jim Harbaugh has been willing to go out there and talk about it. Ryan Day put out a statement yesterday that was, you know, pretty direct, pretty strongly worded. And, you know, I think you're just sort of seeing the ripple effect. Those three guys taking the lead in the conference right now. Scott Frost, of course, has been out there. Everybody from Nebraska has been out there. But if you're not getting answers, you're, you're not able to relay that to, to your players. That's going to trickle down on your program. And, it, and it's just going to cause a mess for everybody. So Kevin Warren, man, if you're listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast, uh, just something. Give us something here.
0: And I'd recommend, Mr. Warren, you head on over to the Lions Pride message board. There's a few people who have some comments for you on a Friday morning. Um, We happen to have Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, Sean, uh, sit down for a one-on-one with Brandon Marcello here uh, at 24-7 Sports. Uh, That was earlier this week. And, uh, you know, he continues to say he wants to see the Pac-12, the Big Ten, align. He says they're preparing for football in January. uh, But he also says uh, he's not ruling out the possibility of November football now, here in the Big Ten, uh, there have been you know, reports from, from folks like Dan Patrick and, and your boy, Sir Yacht, that have indicated we're looking at a mid-October kickoff. But, it, I mean, we're now, what, three, four weeks away. I mean, it's, it's September 11th as we record, October 10th kickoff. Uh, you know, good luck getting there. Um, You need to give these coaches some time. And you got Franklin saying he's doing his best to keep players on track and and, and keep them ready so they don't have to get ready if they get word that football's back on this fall. But that's a lot to ask To, to maintain that kind of diligent attention that's required to prepare to play and compete for a national championship in Power 5 football. It's a lot to ask when you have everything hanging in the balance. You have no concrete set dates. Uh, We'll get to it in a second. I think this is really reaching a a now or never moment for a lot of players in terms of their NFL uh, draft option in the spring and whether they're done playing college football I really don't think there's much more. Uh, It can go down the road until you start seeing really a massive exodus from programs like Ohio State, more players from Penn State, and just across the board, the the cream of the crop in this conference. And and Sean, one thing that stood out from James Franklin he reiterated during his appearance on ESPN Radio on Thursday was – The inability for a guy like him, and and I'm sure this extends to the 13 other campuses in in Big Ten country, the inability to right now stand in front and face your players and their parents and give them definitive timelines, give them definitive structured answers on why everything's okay, why everything's going to be okay, and and this is the structure we're moving toward. This is a path we're on. He mentioned being able to sell that vision and, and lay it out. That's everything for him. He always talks, you know, the one and no mentality is a big part of that, but just the vision long-term, whether you're a 16-year-old recruit or you're a 21-year-old junior trying to figure out whether to enter the draft or come back for your senior season, Franklin's all about focusing on that vision for the program and for the individual. And right now, he just can't do it But it, because, like the rest of us, it's such an open-ended situation. Are these guys hanging on for a January season? Are these guys hanging on for a November kickoff? Or are they just getting kicked, is the can getting kicked down to the road to the point where the Big Ten is just going to say, we'll see you next fall and we'll try to do it all over again?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I had an answer for you, but you look at that roster and it's, you know, so many case by case basis uh, opportunities there. And, you you know, it's going to be a different conversation with Michael Menett than it is with Drew Scruggs. And and by that matter, by that matter it's going to be a different conversation with Drew Scruggs than it is for uh, Nick Dawkins, you know, is one of the you know, one of the freshman offensive linemen. So there's just so many different conversations. And when you don't have answers for the top guys, I mean, when you don't have answers for, for anybody, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make anything easy. So um, it, it, there were a couple reports this week saying a restart vote could be coming, you know, once again, this is like the fourth report that's been out there. Um, your boy, Sir Yacht, uh, was wrong in the last one. I'm sorry. I think he's a Shock. Rutgers grad, by the way. I, no, I, I don't no, know he's him, not. but – um, but, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so th- there, there may be a vote coming sometime. There may not be. I mean, just I, I, you, October seems to be, you know, less of a chance than we thought it was, which was a sliver of a chance to begin with. I thought November, you, you know, you can do something and, you know, back home cases are back up at Penn state, uh, athletic program shut down, Penn state's basketball and football programs still going, but, uh, it's not, uh, it's not looking ideal. You know,
0: um, first off, don't put that voodoo on me with Sir Yacht and, and on my university. They can't confirm he's a Rutgers guy. It seems to be an Ohio State guy based on the way he reports. But uh, I, I will say, Sean, w- when you look at the, the write up that, that appeared in the Chicago Tribune, it's the link I passed along to you this morning from Teddy Greenstein, uh, who has his, you know, certainly seems to have his finger on the pulse of what is happening uh, at this stage within the Big Ten football offices. His report is that a, at a revote would not come any earlier than Sunday. Wouldn't that be something if, if, if we get some kind of answer just as the NFL season is kicking off on a Sunday right around 1 o'clock and the Big Ten sits down and figures this thing out? Uh, any of these kind of defined deadlines, nothing has come to pass so far, But so I'm, I'm hesitant to put any stock in it. But again, they have to figure something. They have to figure out when... Big 10 teams are going to play football again. If they're they're going to say, hey, it's not going to happen, we're not going to be able to catch up to the Big 12, ACC, SEC, uh, and align ourselves with them and be part of that college football playoff push, then are they going to be able to say, hey, we're going to align ourselves with the Pac-12 starting late November, start in January, try to match up some postseason opportunities between those two conferences, maybe play a second Rose Bowl. Uh, This is our consolation prize. Uh, We couldn't make it into the CFB picture, uh, but we're going to be able to do this, and then we'll get it rolling towards uh, normalizing the playing field as best as we possibly can before September 2021. But none of that is on the table. You don't even hear much tangible evidence of of where it's going to go one way or the other. And again, uh, James Franklin here, 31 days now removed from making that case on national television is still worried about the same thing. And he says, communication has just been uh, the consistency here, the lack of communication. Um, And you hear that from everybody, Uh, Wyatt Davis, uh, all preseason, all American for Ohio state, one of the premier offensive line prospects for the 2021 NFL draft. Decides to pull the plug on his college career on Friday morning. And I gave a quote to Letterman Rowe that stood out to both of us. He brought up the commissioner of the Big Ten directly and mentioned, I can't sit around here and, and, and with no communication and just, just wait and wait and wait. Uh, it's time to focus on the next phase of my career. Uh, you know, this is a kid like everyone who's at Ohio State, like everyone who's at Penn State. They enter 2020 thinking this could be the year for the program where, where you break through and, and win a national championship. Maybe you have those pieces in place. And sadly enough, here in Happy Valley, there in Columbus, in Ann Arbor, you'll see it. Those pieces are falling apart and, and six years of recruiting plans and personnel plans are just coming apart at the seams. And the longer we go without answers, the more that's going to unravel.
1: It's unbelievable. that The statement from Davis to Letterman Rowe said, it's tough. I came back to win a national championship. And with the season just getting pushed back and pushed back and no communication from the commissioner, my family and I thought it was best to take the next step. That's, um, that's, that's pretty direct. That's pretty direct right there. Yeah, it's painful. It's pretty direct. And like you said, he has the luxury of knowing he's going to be a top 15, top 20 pick in next year's draft. But still, at the same time, I mean, your players are now, are now taking shots at you. And it's not just like, you know, some guy on Twitter just you know, reaching out or making his opinion known about this. These are essentially your employees. you got your coaches doing the same thing. You've got everybody in there. It's 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 incredible. And, you know, not that Sandy Barber's is a sympathetic figure in any of this. And I, I know Penn State fans probably wouldn't feel that way. But if this is anything, if, if any of this is indicative of the communication between the, the Big Ten and its member schools and its presidents and its ADs and down to its coaches, just those gaps in there, then, you know what she said a couple i guess a month ago or almost a month ago makes sense i mean do you know if there's a vote do you know if there's you know anything that's going on and you know if there's no answers then there's no answers now what what are we doing here
0: 31 days later penn state whether it's the president the athletic director and this isn't on james franklin to tell us but he certainly hasn't shed any light on it no one from penn state has confirmed that there was in fact a vote to determine the the status of the 2020 Big Ten fall season, and no one has certainly confirmed where Penn State stood on that. Now the reports indicate it was an 11 to three vote with Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State as the holdouts. That's really what we have to hold on right now because not only was it re- reported, it was also something that the Big Ten unveiled itself, not specifically the teams, but that 11 to three vote as they were dealing with the lawsuit. So that's the only kind of transparency, and it was forced in the court that we have gotten for the transparency, conference. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. I don't want to give them credit for just being openly transparent. Um, and, and right now to me, as much as I am certainly frustrated, uh, for the coaches, you know, uh, they're getting paid a lot of money to put out fires every day. This is, and, and I should not be making the fire reference. You said this earlier about something different, not the time to do it, but they're, they're really trying to clean up messes on a day-to-day basis. They're you know, they're the CEOs of the football program. Uh, this is a huge mess that they're dealing with, but they're well-paid for it. Uh, and, and so I, I know as trying as it is, the, the marquee coaches are going to survive this. They're going to come out the other side. They're going to be coaching football, and they're going to be getting paid handsomely to do that. But it's the players that I really feel for here. Uh, and, and not so much the guys like Pat Frymuth and Wyatt Davis, because as you said, Regardless of how it works out, if they're playing college football or not again, they stand to make quite a bit of money for themselves next year. It's these sophomores, the redshirt freshmen, the juniors going into senior year who maybe felt like they were on the verge of doing something special for themselves, bettering not just uh, their program and their team, but but generationally impacting their families because of what they stand to gain financially. And that's all come to a halt. And at this point, I just I know it's difficult for us to wake up every morning and figure out, okay, what's today going to bring from a news perspective? Imagine getting up and being asked to compete on the practice field, compete in the classroom, and just do everything that you got to do to invest to become a successful Power 5 football player. And yet, there isn't even a carrot dangling in front of your face because you don't even know when the next time you're going to get a chance to go play a football game.
1: There's a really interesting response to one of your tweets this week from Carlton Wade, Lamont Wade's father, and and you know just judging by his um, comments on Twitter, he's just sick and tired of this. But you know it's uh, you know the, he he said that that. Franklin's been up front with them. The the staff has been up front with him, what they know. But he also said, you know, why would why would you play and why would you play in January? And this is a kid, you know, Lamont's a kid who perfect could example really, that i met, the yeah, latter example. Those are those two safeties are the top example right there is you got to play your way up that draft board and you're not going to have a chance to do so. So what what are you even doing? So. Uh, yeah, it's it's been really interesting to follow that. I know we, we've we talked to parents, we've talked to, to people around the program, it was just kind of, the, they're hostages right now. And, it, you know, they're the college football players, and, and that's kind of what they do. But it's, uh, there's not much that they can sort of stand by and it's not like they're not getting help from their coaches, but they're not getting the answers they need because the coaches don't have them. It's just yeah. one b- vicious circle.
0: It's just so rare for a guy like James Franklin to not have an answer almost immediately because of the resources he you know, typically would have at his disposal because of the power that he wields. And that goes for every head coach in the Big Ten, um, one through 14. They typically don't have to wait long to get answers to questions and yet here we are four and a half weeks later and this is the biggest question hanging over in every situation uh, every meeting room every weightlifting session every practice session when are we going to play football what is the plan where are we going here and just say football <laughs> by the way
1: playing safe football and that's the thing we all we we want football we want safe football safe football. but and, and we've seen it You know, across the country, they've they've been doing it pretty well. So there's there's some sort of blueprint out there, and I don't know that it's going to hold up, and I don't know it's going to go on. But safe football is the is the way to go, and you know that's 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 they just can't get answers as to why they can't do that, and that's that's the biggest holdup.
0: It felt like uh, a the dagger in the back for it seems like a lot of the Big Ten coaches on August 11th when the conference made this decision, and now we we've been saying since then, since that decision was made, we'll see. Do the other Power 5 conferences even get to a point where they're kicking off? Well, guess who was playing on TV yesterday? Miami Hurricanes and, and their new transfer quarterback uh, who played pretty well for them. Uh, this weekend, you're going to see more programs out of the Power 5. Two weeks from Saturday, you're going to see the SEC kick off its full conference slate. We'll see what happens from there. But every Saturday we get through, and with the next Saturday to look forward to, and as the conversation in college football begins to shift away from here are these teams that aren't playing. Don't you feel bad for them too? here are the teams that are playing. Look what this player is doing. Look what that coach is doing. Uh, Look how exciting this game was. That is the twisting and the twisting and the twisting of the knife for everyone associated with Big Ten football and no one more so than the players on those rosters and the coaches who are leading those young men.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, if you don't have answers, you don't have, it's just unbelievable to me. And I don't want to just rehash what we talked about, but you go back and you know, why can't you just delay it? You know, and that's that's basically what it keeps coming back to. And, uh, you know, it doesn't help to say it, but it helps to know you're right. Hindsight. We'll get into a bunch of hindsight stuff. We got recruiting talk later. But, uh, man, it's just, uh, just sitting here and imagining what could have been even without football. I mean, the Big Ten every day, just worse and worse every hour because we we're going to record yesterday. And this is even worse than yesterday. So what what do we what are we Sean, doing here, it's man? not even lunchtime yet, we, and and we got a Friday
0: news dump coming later in about six hours. Who knows what is in line? Who knows what's going to happen between when we're talking and when this actually hits the ears of our listeners? But uh, it, it has just been one thing after the next, and uh, until the Big Ten can can put some kind of punctuation mark at the end of its decision and give us the uh, give us the answer of what is next for the conference, specifically what football is going to do. It's just going to continue and continue and continue, and, and and we'll have to keep talking about it. Um, but all right, deep breath, Sean. <laughs> deep breath. How about that 2022 recruiting class? Quite the start. Six commits, number three in the country. I'm trying here. I'm trying. I'm not feeling it, but I'm trying. But, Sean, you spent some significant time this week diving into the state of Penn State's Pennsylvania recruiting efforts for this 2022 cycle. We said earlier, missing out on Nolan Rucci. What is going on in the 2021 recruiting cycle so far? Striking out on a lot of the top talent within the state. Things trending so differently in 2022, three guys already on board, the top offensive lineman, the top quarterback, a four-star edge rusher slash linebacker out of Philadelphia with Ken Talley, the latest addition to this class. What else are you hearing about why positive vibes are being developed in that 2022
1: cycle? And just so you know, I'm not laughing at you. I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm life- laughing at the headset, you've, the Top Gun headset that you're wearing right now. You're out of town, um, but in, in different uh, circumstances. But uh, I've been trying to work and talk to me Goose. At some point, it just hasn't really presented the opportunity. Not, not the yellow uh,
0: floral painting behind me as well.
1: That's uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. At least, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So Penn, St- Penn State in Pennsylvania, 2022. I mean, you've got an opportunity there, and you've got a you've got some momentum in this class so far. Picked up Ken Talley, as we mentioned, three commitments so far in Pennsylvania in 2022. Drew Shelton, I think a really big commitment, probably a little bit overlooked because it was late on a Friday or it's noon on a Friday and uh, really, really very good offensive line prospect. Everybody's focused on Rucci, but you know Shelton's a pretty pretty darn good player. And then Bo Probule, you got your quarterback in there. But Pennsylvania in twenty twenty two, we've been talking about it for a really long time. It's uh you know it's a really good year. Thirteen guys with scholarship offers. Three of those guys are committed any to any program. They're all three committed to Penn State, which is you know better. It's a, obviously right off the bat a better hit rate than they've had um, in the last couple of cycles. So. Um you keep watching there. I think it's going to be a very important litmus test for Penn State, and I don't think it's going to be any one guy. I know people are going to want to point to a Nye White, the five-star defensive end from Imhotep, um, but it, there's a lot of talent, especially in the eastern part of the state. It's a couple of guys in the mid-state, a place that Penn State should v- do very, very well in, um, and you're going to continue to sort of push that. So I think if you're looking at um, – you know a way to measure this 2022 class and it's off to a great start you know number 3 in the country but how you, how you protect your home turf and this is not dominate the state this is something different this is this is sort of trying to take back what you had at one point and kind of got away from you because of the talent level that was there and you were looking to sort of expand your borders nationally and go uh, do a little bit more than you, you know, could have previously. Now this is coming back. You know, your talents back up in the Philadelphia area. You got the Eastern part of the state. You're putting Terry Smith in there. You're putting Taylor Stubblefield in there, Phil Troutwine a little bit. And you're just sort of working around and trying to, you know, dig yourself out of that hole that you put yourself in. And really, I mean, seven out of 12 over two classes is a pretty good hit rate. But still, when you only have 12 of them, that really amplifies what you're doing. And when those guys at the top, Julian Fleming, Michael Carmody, Nolan Rucci, and then a bunch of guys in this 2021 class that have gone elsewhere, when they go elsewhere, it looks quite bad. So Getting back into that, getting uh, guys like Ken Talley on board, and you know you're you're not even sure where he's going to project. They have him as a hybrid defensive end, or excuse me, a hybrid linebacker, defensive end, edge rusher type guy. But he's a guy that's talented enough, and you want to take him now and not regret not taking him later. So you move down the list. You've got guys all over the place. Philly uh, Keenan Nelson is a guy that uh, they've sort of turned up the heat on at St. Joseph's Prep. By the way, where's number twenty nine at St. Joseph's Prep? There's huh. another guy that wore twenty nine that played at St. Joseph's Prep. It John Reed actually reward number 25 there, made his NFL debut last night and played yeah. quite a bit for the Texans. Um, nice little <laughs> intro to the NFL game to play against <laughs> Pat Mahomes. But, you know, that's uh, that, that's something to start there. And, and Philly's got talent. Philly's got guys, uh, you know, at different positions. I really like Abdul Carter, the linebacker uh, from LaSalle. Anthony Johnson's got Penn State in his top five and you know, you've, you you kind of get to a point where you're sort of balancing which guys to go after. Raleigh Collins is another guy that's probably, we don't even have him rated at 24 seven sports. That'll change next week, but. Really good, really good prospect there at corner as well with a ton of length. So there's there's guys all over the place, and then you move to the mid state. You've got Nicholas Singleton, the, the talented running back. You've got Makai Flowers and Anthony Ivy, who seem to not be joined at the hip, but they're always they're so close in the rankings that these three are always just sort of lumped together among prospects. And then Anthony Smith at, at Shippensburg, the big defensive lineman, might be a DN, might be a D tackle, might be an offensive tackle. You're not sure what he is, but you know there's no size concerns. You know he's very athletic. There's a lot to like there. So. I just think – I think they're going to do well in Pennsylvania next year. I, I, I feel confident in saying that they've, they've put the resources in, they've put the effort in, and they've sort of kind of uh, – they've been spinning their wheels there for a while. Now it's time to get some traction. You've done that. You've picked up three commitments so far, and now I think it's it's it can be time to roll.
0: It's so strange. I I know I veered off course here with the 2022 class, but I was looking at their 2021 Pennsylvania class, somehow ended up on the Michigan page and was reminded that Penn State has four of the top 12 prospects in Michigan's 2021 class. Michigan actually has two of the... Top twelve prospects in their own state. I don't know what to make of that twenty twenty one cycle, but here in twenty twenty two, Sean, you mentioned this last episode uh, that that this isn't happening by accident. That this was something that the Penn State staff was laying the groundwork for, and that's helped them overcome the the absence of in state uh, of of, of on campus visits and the absence of in person recruiting visits, maybe in their home communities, at their high schools, at games this fall. Um, how exactly uh, do you think Penn State has gone about that? You know, establishing That early footprint with the 2022 group and then really hammering it home to the point where they're now gaining commitments in such a such a confusing time for all these high school juniors. And you certainly would understand why no high school junior
1: would want to commit at this stage. Well, they've had some some stability there. Uh, you know, I know January seems like a long, long time ago, um, but you know they've had the chance to start up these relationships because you look at the guys that they've gotten, and you know it's kind of a case by case basis. Caden Saunders has been on campus a bunch of times. Ken talley has been on campus a bunch of times. Camped last year. Bo Probula camp twice last year. Then on the flip side, Drew Shelton's first trip to Penn State, and he's a Pennsylvania kid, his first trip to Penn State was last month. So you've got a, a way to get in there. And, you know, that's really the way that these guys are developing those relationships right now are through the Zooms, are through, you know, it's, e- it's either you've got a great previous relationship like Saunders, like Probula, like those guys, or you've been able to sort of build that thing up. And as schools sort of start from zero, Penn State has has worked their way up, especially in the offensive line. I'm hammering. Uh, I'm hammering that home. Brian Doan from the people that he talks to, Penn State he doubled I think is, down on
0: that for you, didn't he,
1: he? He doubled down. Yeah, he sort of copy and pasted. It, <laughs> you know? I mean, no, no credit given there. No, but he he was he, he called me. He's like, I, I'm going to write about this because this is the buzz that I keep on hearing from these guys, and I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I wrote it a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, trending up on the offensive line in a big way. And when you know when the offensive line is that big of a piece of your class every year, that's uh, that's certainly going to help out. So still need to work on, uh, you know, securing some of those defensive linemen, I'd like to see John Scott get going a little bit better um, beyond Pennsylvania, you know, not just in Pennsylvania, but beyond, but uh, you've got Big time targets like Anaya White, Danny Dennis Sutton, uh, Joe Strickland's a guy in Indianapolis, uh, in the Indianapolis area that I think Penn State's in a great spot for. And I think Scott's in there. Dion Barnes is, is really working overtime in terms of recruiting right now. So, um, it's been, it, it's been fun to watch this sort of come together. And as we mentioned, 2021 not things not going your way. And then all of a sudden 2022, you're talking about guys that, you know, are you going to take this guy or not? And that's uh, a, it's a pretty good spot to be in, in September, a, a year and a half before they sign.
0: We spent a lot of time on the first episode this week, talking about the the two very different courses that those recruiting classes are on. If you want to stomach that again, or if you missed it, Go check it out. We won't go down that road again. But uh, I will say, Sean, as they continue to build out the class, it should get easier for this staff because uh, you've got peer recruiters now. And Bro Perbula, if you heard him on this podcast – fully aware of how important it is to get those Pennsylvania prospects on board. Drew Shelton, right after his commitment, he said the best in Pennsylvania. Stay in Pennsylvania. And then, of course, Kentali. Nothing passive about this prospect. I think he's a guy who's going to be really important for them and drumming up some interest, increased interest in the city of Philadelphia. So something to stay uh, engaged with moving af- moving ahead. You know we'll be on all the news as it comes our way in the 2022 cycle up online 24-7. We're going to step away for a moment. When we come back, we'll have our our mailbag to get to and we're going to talk about nittany lions alumni all across the nfl as the season gets underway we'll talk about some of the interesting storylines where rookies landed coming your way here uh first a quick commercial break from our sponsors
2: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank post your free job on linkedin.com recommend
1: today. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With Fuel Cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at NewBalance.com. All
0: right, turning our attention to former Nittany Lions, the NFL is underway. It was nice to see the Chiefs and Texans playing on Thursday night. Um, And it was nice to see John Reed out there getting extensive playing time in his debut. No preseason ramp up for these rookies this year. Usually you'd had four or five games before your official kickoff. Not in 2020. Uh, John Reed also, meet Mr. Patrick Mahomes, the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Mahomes threw three touchdowns. The Texans were pretty well shredded across the way in that contest. But John Reed, six tackles, uh, got a lot of run. Uh, We heard a lot of good things coming out of camp with him. And again, he's the first. First draft pick from Penn State for Bill O'Brien there with the Texans. So that was significant. He was actually recruited by Bill O'Brien initially before he ended up signing with James Franklin's Nittany Lions. And uh, that was cool. But it was also cool, Sean, to see how many of these rookies, and not just the ones who were drafted, made rosters. You've got Yitor Grossmatos, of course, uh, securing a spot with the Carolina Panthers, the top guy off the board for Penn State in the second round. Also in the second round, K.J. Hamler, a little banged up in August. But with the Denver Broncos right now, we'll see where his health stands. As I mentioned, John Reed, Cam Brown, undrafted, one of three players uh, to stick with the New York Giants after their roster cuts at linebacker, Blake Gillikin and his magnificent hair with the New Orleans Saints. He starts the season on IR, but that's only a three-week deal this year in the NFL, so we may see him in action. He's the second punter that they kept on board, and here's the big one. Dan Chisena, former Penn State track runner, a former Penn State walk-on. And a guy who made a mark on special teams, worked his way into the rotation as a receiver, went and played a little safety for a couple of days with the Vikings, back at receiver, will be playing special teams. He's one of the 53 players that will be suiting up for the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. That was really cool to see.
1: That's remarkable, isn't it? I know, you know, his past at Penn State is going to be skewed because he couldn't catch the ball and I get that but um it's been really cool to see his entire story sort of come together we were big on Jacenna last year in camp um he seemed to be lighting things up but you know when the lights came on he was not really the the receiving threat that we thought he would be he was every bit the special teams demon that we thought he would be and that's why he's on the Vikings and now I'm excited to see how they use him you know for a guy like that if you're sort of designating him as your special teams guy your gunner or whatever um, you know he's gonna play and and I'm excited to see that come together and you know he's worked really hard for it and I know the the Penn State staff is ecstatic for him because it's you know it's it's working your way up from essentially nothing and now it doesn't hurt to be the fastest guy on the field but working your way up from nothing—it's—it's it's been really cool to follow Trusena, and I know people are frustrated with his Penn State career, but for him to land out there and for him to get out there, it's just—it's a great story, and it's a—and it's a good story for development too. I mean, it's a good—it's a good story for Penn State to uh, to show what he's been able to show. He's not going to be able to, or excuse me, he's not going to be asked to go out there and catch passes for them this year. So just do what he does, uh, and he can he can whittle himself a career out of this uh, for the next couple of years as as a special teams guy. We've seen
0: guys do that, stick around. Um, it, it, the unsung heroes of a lot of rosters are the guys who, who do the dirty work on special teams and you don't see much of them in the box score. You certainly don't see them on a fantasy football roster, but uh, they earn a paycheck and it's a pretty good one. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens for Chicena. You have to imagine, you know, as, as rosters ebb and flow, um, he's going to have to earn that week by week, but uh, he's on there to start and that is something that's pretty extraordinary, I think, for a lot of Penn State fans to see come to fruition. Uh, a couple of rookies who ended up on practice, practice squad rosters. Hopefully this number grows because there are a a few guys fresh out of Penn State who have not yet landed on rosters after being released by their initial team. But Robert Winter, who was drafted, um, does not make the final cut with the Indianapolis Colts, but he's sticking around as a practice squad player with them. Uh, Nick Bowers was not drafted, uh, picked up by the Raiders. Um, He's going to stay there as a practice squad guy as well.
1: Yeah. They like Nick Bowers out there from, from what I've read. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's kind of a log jam position. You're not going to carry too many tight ends, but uh, you know, Bowers is in that spot. You've got a Windsor. I'm not sure. I didn't read anything on him in the, in the camp or anything like that, but you know, you, you you don't want to cut a draft pick, but it's a good sign that he's going back to the practice squad. I think the practice squad being extended is going to be good for a lot of guys. Huge. And, you know, we've seen some guys, you know, Steven Gonzalez is already out, um, but you've seen a bunch of those guys that sort of could circle back around there. Blake Gillikin's a different story. You know, he's kind of on the IR right now as they figure out what they're doing at punter. I mean, I just am shocked they're going to keep two punters. Uh, they must really, really love what they see from Gillikin.
0: How about Cam Brown? Uh, I think maybe, you know, under the radar here a little bit is the fact that Cam Brown, you know, later round draft pick, those guys are never guaranteed a roster spot. Uh, but this is a guy who goes there. You got Sean Spencer certainly in his corner um, with the New York Giants and, and a couple other former teammates on that roster as well. But uh, a guy who really had to develop himself a long way physically at, at Penn State got to the point where he was a two-year starter in 2018, 2019. And, and I certainly wondered, you know, would the NFL, uh, would, would he find a fit that would work? And he found one right off the bat here, and I, I think that's just a, a really special for him because of the familiarity he has within that Giants franchise. He got Saquon Barkley, Austin Johnson there, but of course, Sean Spencer. Um, I, I thought that was something that was uh, quite significant for Cam Brown and, and, and for Penn State football to see. Jan Johnson right now uh, looking for an NFL job at linebacker, but uh, Cam Brown has an, has an immediate opportunity, and, and, and like we said with just uh, I'd imagine special teams are going to play a key role in, in his ability to, to stay on that
1: roster. NFL guys were always uniquely... Uh, curious about Cam Brown. And I think that's really, you know, when you take a look at uh, what Jan Chisena has been able to stick and obviously his career didn't go, you, you think the same about Cam Brown. You you think about the frustrating moments, the missed tackles, the targeting, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for, for him to be able to turn it around is is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I don't see him really being an, a, an an active guy, but, you know, you've got a chance to to stick on there or, or be a practice squad guy, maybe bump up and be in between. But anyway, you're, you're drawing a paycheck from the NFL. That's uh you know, it's pretty much further than than some people thought he would be a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, it's a, a drawing that paycheck from the NFL. If you can keep doing that for uh, that, 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 that's big time stuff for you and your family. Uh, going to some of the younger players uh, from Penn State in the NFL, but not the rookies. I mean there was a lot uh, a lot of folks questioning Kevin Givens last year leaving uh, leaving a year of eligibility on the field for Penn State at defensive tackle um, going off to the NFL not getting drafted in 2019 Uh, he ends up on the sideline in in the Super Bowl as an active member of the the 49ers roster down the stretch uh, activated late in the season after sticking on the practice squad he makes the 53 man roster here going into 2020 Uh, what do you make of that for Kevin Givens because that's I said, uh, a lot of folks were, were really questioning that decision uh, coming out of, of the 2019 season into the 2020 draft, or I'm sorry, yeah. into the 2019 draft.
1: It's making making people look stupid. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, that's the thing. I mean, you never really question a decision, but uh, I mean, with with Givens for the the development that he had left in him, and the you know the opportunity that he had the following year, you know raised a lot of eyebrows raised our our eyebrows quite high um but no he's made the most of it he's uh you know it's a, that's a good defensive line too that's a good good group of defensive linemen so if he can break in there at all you know put himself in a position for a contract down the line from somewhere even if it's not uh not San Francisco so no it's it's awesome to see that happen and you know I didn't really uh, f- foresee it happening as quickly to make that active roster to win a Super Bowl or to to get to a Super Bowl excuse me. Um, uh, it's It's been really cool to see and, and you know you, you see these stories all over the place and uh, you know Jason Cabinda was an undrafted free agent and played for the Raiders for a couple of years you know bounced around is with the Lions now and now he's a fullback and that's obviously you know going to catch the eye of a lot of Penn State fans because you know you wonder what might have been if you put him at fullback but uh, now it's, uh, it's been really cool to see especially for Cabinda. Kabinda's awesome and he's Always been that kid, um, you know. He's he's been out in front of a lot of things, but it, his personality really hasn't changed um, from that aspect. Uh, really. His, mo- his mother did a phenomenal job. I guess well, yeah, I saw that tweet this week, but or that story this week. But his mom did a phenomenal job raising him, and you know he's he's reaping the benefits of it. And it's it's just you sit back and you see these guys, especially the guys that weren't the big time recruits. I mean, they flipped him from Syracuse. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you see these guys that weren't the big time recruits, like Givens and Windsor's in the NFL and Bowers is in the NFL. You sit back and you see these guys work their way into a position. It's 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 pretty cool to to experience.
0: And I've heard from a few of the of the stars of that you know 2016 Big Ten Championship run that they feel like Kabinda is a guy who ultimately, as years go by, is, is going to get a little bit overlooked. But I think a lot of Penn State fans are going to remember him as kind of a heart and soul player with that roster. You know, covering him, it was very clear that that his leadership w- was very important for that locker room during his time. And, and clearly now uh, he's a guy who has shown flexibility. And and who would have thought that 2016 Penn State squad would produce a starting NFL fullback? But that's exactly what it looks like the Lions are going to do. And we saw him implemented a bit late last season in goal line situations as a lead blocker. Would love to see the guy get a goal line carry. Wouldn't that be special? Uh, but but to stick on a roster to to be a linebacker slash fullback, and this is a guy who, you know, I think a lot of people know him now because he you know, he lost his job on hard knocks in front of America and everybody who follows uh, hard knocks. He was you know, one of those late cuts by the Raiders, um, ends up resurfacing with the Detroit Lions. And here he is three years out of Penn State, you know, staking claim to what looks like it's going to be a pretty consistent role with the Detroit Lions. And and moving on from that, Sean, how about Trace McSorley moving into year number two? as an NFL quarterback on an active roster with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, when you're situated behind the reigning NFL MVP at your position, doesn't look like there's a lot of daylight to get on the football field. Uh, we saw Trace last uh, last summer playing preseason football. certainly think he could have benefited from more preseason football here in 2020. But a lot of folks wondered, maybe doubted that Trace McSorley had the skill set to stick with the NFL long-term. We don't know if he's going to carve out a, a, a 10-year career or longer and be maybe like a Colt McCoy uh, kind of quarterback. And, and I don't want to sell him short. Maybe he'll go on to be a starting quarterback. But right now, this is exactly you know all you can ask for as Trace McSorley, opportunity to stay in that quarterback room, learn from the guys around you, learn from the coaching staff, make yourself valuable to your, your franchise, not just for what you can do on the field for them, but maybe down the road for what you can do for someone else if, if you become some kind of trade commodity. So staying on the roster uh, for Trace McSorley, that's big-time stuff.
1: All the while making six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars as a base salary this year. I just looked that Take up. <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking that with Kabinda, you were talking about scrapping and clawing and doing whatever they ask. And when when they ask you to do something, and you are making six hundred thousand a year, I get paid a, a year, lot less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we can uh, you, we can always frame it like that, and that you know, and, that, and that's cool for for those guys, especially for Givens, who you know really didn't didn't come from much, and it it's been. Really cool. Uh, Sharif Miller is another guy I see you have listed here. You know he got cut by the Eagles. Um, It was a bit of a reach in the fourth round, as it turns out, but the Panthers picked him up, and he's going to have a chance to to earn that paycheck. And that's you know certainly huge for for a kid from North Philly and um, it's, it's just really cool to see these things happen. And, you know, you, you go down the list. I mean, Marcus Allen, who I've known since he was a sophomore in high school and AQ Shipley, who I ridiculously messed my ankle up playing in a pickup basketball game against, you know, just all over the place. It's just uh, all these kinds of stories. And some guys are still sticking around. Robbie Gould's still in the NFL. And he was a, you know, a guy that's I think my age or maybe even a year older. His
0: story is ridiculous. I mean, he was out of football for a year or two, right? And then all of a sudden, he's got like a 17-year NFL career. He's one of the highest paid kickers in the league right now. And he he just played in the Super Bowl.
1: And what I say about Chisena, you think about his Penn State career and you think, what did this guy do? Robbie Gold was the same way. I mean, that's a, a long time ago, but nobody ever earmarked him as a guy that probably would have even gotten into a camp. So here you are, here's Sam Ficken is with the Jets. You know, he, you've got guys all over the place that have these great stories. And, you know, a lot of them are, are, are fantastic. Uh, we'll call some of them kids. We'll call some of them, I guess, Robbie Gold and Sean Lee. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been fantastic to watch.
0: Yeah, Sean Lee, unfortunately, uh, starting the season on the IR. You know that's that's been a, a big storyline for his career, uh, for much of it with the Dallas Cowboys, but Jerry Jones loves the guy. He said he, he sees Sean Lee being a coach in the future. Uh, he's going to stick it out. We'll see when he's back on the field for, for Dallas, but yeah, Marcus Allen sticks with the Steelers. He's playing linebacker now. It's something we addressed earlier. Uh, unfortunately for for wide receiver Saeed Blacknell and DeAndre Tompkins, they do not stay with Pittsburgh. It looked like a long shot for them. They were both brought on board a little bit late. That was a, a lot of numbers there at wide receiver. And then, yeah, just like like you mentioned, I was really happy to see Sharif Miller bridge that gap so quickly from getting released by Philadelphia, which really had to be painful. This is a guy who has who made, you know, trying to, to make the betterment of, of inner city Philadelphia youth, something that's important to him. He was able to do that near the workplace with the Eagles, um, you know, from his hometown to, to, to get that news, had to hit him hard. But then to quickly get that phone call from Matt Rule in the Carolina Panthers, you know, Matt Rule, a former Penn State player in his own regard. Brings in a couple now uh, on the defensive front, Sharif Miller. And how about this, Sean? Uh, Yutor Grosmatos is one of four rookies listed as starters on the Week One depth chart for the Carolina Panthers. It looks like he'll be starting alongside Derek Brown, the first round pick out of Auburn. Uh, and and I, we've been saying this for a while. I know that Matt Rule said it after they drafted him. James Franklin said it when, when he when he hit the draft. Utah Gross-Mattis is the kind of kid who looks like his best football is ahead of him if he continues his trajectory. Uh, Selfishly, would have loved to have seen more of him at Penn State, but I don't think anyone at this stage, whether he was a first-round pick or not, knowing what we know, boy, are you glad that he made that call.
1: Yeah, I don't believe Carolina's slated to be very good this year, but when I mean, you've got a prospect like Guy Turgos Matos beside Derek Brown, who is just an absolute monster out of Auburn, uh that's that that bodes well for your future defensive line. So hopefully they get it together and Matt Rule can get it together for the next couple of years because he's a heck of a football coach. He showed that at multiple stops, including back in Philly at Temple. So uh it's it's going to be uh an interesting process down there. So hopefully, you know, he stays healthy and he's able to keep keep going because there's there's big things in his future, I believe.
0: And just going back to Shipley, he bounced around a bit. Uh, ends up on the Bucks roster, um, along with Chris Godwin uh, and Donovan Smith. Uh, that is tied uh, with the Lions, who have Amani Arouarie, Jesse James, Jason Gabinda, and the Giants with Saquon Barkley, by the way, named a, a second-year captain, again with a new coaching staff. It talks about what he already means to that franchise, uh, alongside Austin Johnson and Cam Brown. Those are the three teams that have three Penn State players on their active rosters to open the season. Uh, that leads the league. And, and I think I saw a, a tweet from... Um, From ESPN, Penn State, I believe the fifth best represented after final roster cuts last weekend among all college programs. And considering where things were in that department when James Franklin rolled in and the scholarship numbers and where recruiting was, uh, that's pretty substantial to be able to, to turn it out in the back end and have that many guys land NFL paychecks here in
1: 2020. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, just to uh, to show that because you you're always looking at those graphics and you're seeing how far ahead you know Alabama and Ohio State are, but mostly Ohio State because that's the the school that you're competing against every year. So you want to you know push your way up those graphics, push your way by Michigan and and really, you know, solidify yourself. Because what we've seen from Penn State over the last couple of years and, you know, I guess the last seven years, six or seven years, is, you know, they've had a lot of success, but at the same time, maybe didn't match up with the numbers that have gone in the NFL. Now, over the last couple of seasons, those numbers have increased. And I think it's, you know, it's a product of going back all the way to the start. It's a product of recruiting. It's a product of the development that they've had. And now, all of a sudden, you're sort sort of sitting Sitting on that list as a mainstay, and I think that's uh, you know it's a tip of the cap to, to James Franklin and Dwight Galt, especially um, in terms of what they've been able to do with player development, and something you can hang your hat on, and something that they can try to uh, exploit and reap the benefits from uh, years in the future
0: and you look at the 2020 roster and, and with Micah Parsons no longer on it but on his way to the NFL uh, that should continue to trend in a positive direction for Penn State considering what they have on campus currently uh, by the way Mark Brennan up on lines 247com has a NFL rookie tracker for Penn State players so I think he's going to be updating that on a week-by-week basis uh, to see what those guys are doing not all of them will be in the spotlight uh, a lot of it will be the dirty work but uh, you know we'll be doing our best to keep tabs on, on Nittany Lions off in the NFL this year uh, it's time to turn our attention to the Mailbag Sean and we got a couple good ones uh, a fresh batch of questions have come our way up on the 5 Star uh, Mailbag on Apple Podcasts so we do appreciate that please keep them coming uh, we'll do our best to address them on a episode by episode basis and we start here, uh, we're going to go quickly back to that Rucci conversation unfortunately for our listeners but Sean, it, it, it regards family and it's and it states like this I think not recruiting Hayden Rucci played a big factor in missing out on Nolan Rucci I can see also the same thing happening with 2023 linebacker Josiah Trotter as Penn State did not recruit his older brother, Clemson commit Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I don't understand why Penn State made no attempt to recruit them, and now they will probably lose out on both younger
1: brothers. What say you? I say you never recruit the older brother to get the younger brother. I mean, that's just kind of common sense in terms of recruiting. Amen. And it's all hindsight right now. And I, and I get it. And you're right. You, you know, if you recruit Hayden, you're probably in a different spot right now. But if you recruit Hayden, he's probably your fourth or fifth tight end right now. They took Brenton Strange in that cycle. Brenton Strange, by the way, waited around camp for that offer and then got that offer and, and eventually committed. So, uh, you know, he just, didn't see the same timeline uh lining up. I mean, you look at uh you look at the tight ends out there, it wasn't a great group. I mean, you had two in Pennsylvania that year, uh in, in Hayden Rucci and and in Nick Gallo who eventually went to uh to Virginia Tech. But, you know, you just didn't feel about that. You didn't feel that way about it. And you, you that was coming off of a year where you had Muth and Coons the year before. So, I have no problem with them not offering, you know, it, it, it did end up being an issue. You know, that, that did end up being something, especially when you had Hayden home for months at a time with, you know, I'm not going to call it a grudge, but you know, a bone to pick with the Penn state staff and he's hanging out with his brother every day. Of course that's going to rub off. So I it's I, I don't I don't see I, I get what you're saying and I think it's a it's a hindsight argument for the most part, but I get what you're saying and, and in a perfect world, if you knew that Nolan Rucci was gonna be a five star back in twenty eighteen when he committed when, when his older brother committed to uh, to Wisconsin, maybe you give it a, a little bit more thought, but you had no idea what kind of prospect he was gonna be at this at this point.
0: when you are trying to uh, figure out how to invest a a finite amount of scholarships to high school seniors, you're playing a dangerous game if you're focused in on the brother who's a freshman or in eighth grade or in seventh grade and how that might come back to bite you in the butt if you don't make this move today. Um, Because I've I've seen it, I've seen, and and there's every father's going to tell you, every coach is going to tell you, Oh, just wait until you see little brother. He's the next like every time. If there's a little brother, it's always wait until you see little brother. This kid's this kid's the best one. He's gonna even be better. Sometimes they are, but sometimes it's just if you take away and you strip them of that last name and their association with Big Brother, you're not really looking at a special product. Uh, now, that's certainly not the case here. The Penn State has seen enough to offer Josiah Trotter before his sophomore year, and his father also was an all-pro linebacker at the NFL level. And, and, and Ruchi, I think th- there's the frustration there as well as the father played at Penn State, and and you have that direct family tie to your program, and, and I understand why that's a frustration, but I'm with you. You, you don't recruit a guy just for the sake of, of, of because little brother three or four years down the road might be good. I've seen something firsthand, Sean, where a twin tandem, one was offered, one wasn't. Both ended up at the same school, Jason and Devin McCourty, but... There was a while where one was wanted by Rutgers and the other was not. They both end up there. They both end up playing a long time in the NFL. But, I mean, we're talking about something as difficult as trying to parse through a, a pair of twins. Uh, if you're trying to do it with a kid who's 18 and little brother who's 13 and 14 and people say, wait for this kid, it just, you can't play that game. And, and But, look, here at the back end, it doesn't feel so good when it, when it comes out wrong. But I bet you there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of little brothers of Penn State players who, uh, who have not been offered Sean that 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 people are are, are just fine with.
1: Well, uh, Ali Barkley is heading for prep school this year, and you know uh, Saquon. If you ask him, he'll say, "Yeah, he's, a, he's he's an athlete like I am. You know, he's a great athlete, great explosion, all that kind of stuff." And you know, clearly, he's not the same player, and nobody's offering you know Saquon to get to Ali. So, uh, I mean, it's it, it's. So much hindsight that goes into this, and you've got brother tandems that have been successful. I look at I look at West Virginia, and it's it's interesting to me because Darius Stills is an All Big Twelve defensive tackle, and you know people thought West Virginia was just offering him to get Dante Stills, his younger brother, and Dante Stills has turned into a, a pretty good player. But Darius Stills has been the on the All Big Twelve level, and he was you know i saw him in camp in high school nobody really thought that much of him so uh, it's it you know i i think if you get back a couple of years you can look at that but to me, I'm going to put him on the same plane with Brenton Strange, and I'm going to say Brenton Strange is a better tight end prospect than, than Hayden Rucci. And said that a while ago. said We'll say that tomorrow. I'll we'll say that a couple of years down the road. And you know, you know, hopefully for Hayden's sake, he you know he catches on and you know eventually has a pro career or something like that. Maybe he's a tight end. Maybe he follows in his dad's footsteps, and all of a sudden he's an offensive lineman. It's hard to say. So um, you know, I, I I don't fault them for for not uh, not offering him. You know, maybe. Do you go after him a little bit harder, but then at, at the same time, is that a little bit disingenuous? And does that rub off the wrong way on the family? So I don't know. What, I don't know what to say. I, I think it's an, an overblown topic in terms of what should Penn State have done. I don't think there's any question that it had some impact on that family and that uh, that decision. But I, I don't second guess or question the decision in the first place to begin with.
0: The question is phrased from the perspective of a college football program, and we've attacked it that way from the perspective of a college football program, but I think it's also worth noting that not every little brother wants to chase little uh, older brother to the same campus. That's not always going to be the case, and if you're relying upon that logic, then, then that's going to blow up in your face. You might end up with older brother who you think is a mid-level three-star, but a little brother doesn't necessarily feel the need to spend every waking hour with his big brother in the same program and may head elsewhere. So that, that is also something that that I think needs to be considered here. Josiah Trotter, we'll see where that goes. But uh, as this question referenced, he's committed to Clemson. Um, Penn state did not put out the offer on the table. Uh, He's just a sophomore in high school right now. Question two, here we go. More recruiting. You've mentioned several times now about hires, getting a new coach bump with recruiting. Can this apply to positional coaches? It seems like that hasn't happened in the 2021 cycle for Penn State's new staff hires. I know circumstances with COVID-19 affected this more than anything, but does there need to be proof on the field for Penn State to get that bump, or will they be able to close the remainder of this class with just philosophy?
1: Uh, I think it's it's kind of a hit and miss situation. You usually see that new coach bump more in, in bringing in new coordinators than in a new position coach. Now we we will I think we will see that with Phil Troutline in the offensive line, as we mentioned earlier in the show. But I, I think it's more about coordinators and sort of changing the culture, changing the output, changing the the. I guess the eventual results on the field. So that's the closer you get to the head coach, the more chances you have of being a bump. You know, of course the head coach bump is a fresh start. We've talked about that all the time. And, you know, it it kind of depends how big your program is, what kind of pull that they had beforehand. Um, it's almost better for the new coach if the old coach was, you know, a kind of schlubs on the recruiting trail. So um I think that it's probably more. Toward the head coach, toward the coordinators, then with the position coach, the position coach bump can give you, you know, guys that he had prior relationships with. We saw Jared Parker went to West Virginia and was able to bring in Caden Prather. Um, but it's really, I think, the the potential for that bump to come or to sustain itself is fairly limited, given the nature of how many guys switch jobs every year.
0: Yeah, uh, and and I think you know. Well, it would be great for Penn State to be able to go out and showcase an offense that that looks revamped. And I think specifically for the wide receivers, I've been saying that it's it's not good right now. Where other programs can point to the to the statistics that Penn State has produced the past couple of years in terms of receptions, receiving yards, and, and touchdowns scored by receivers. Not a pretty picture. But I think when you look at Kirk a hire, that has provided some kind of bump with quarterbacks. Uh, you know. It, it was clearly important to, to Christian Veyu, uh knowing what he did with Tanner Morgan last year, watching that film uh, with Kirk Shiraka and, and understanding why Tanner Morgan was so successful uh, during that contest against Penn state specifically and, and why it may work for him as well. Um, and, and, and Pabriula also referenced that and, and Micah Bowens mentioned you know, when they brought in Kirk Shiraka, he had a cousin who played for Minnesota. who was a starter on Minnesota's defense. He was very, very familiar. So uh, he felt good about that. So, I don't know if it's necessarily a bump, but I, I think it does give them some kind of edge with quarterbacks, at least knowing what that track record is for Kirk Chirac. And I think Phil Troutwine, uh, there's something to be said, What 2022, the 2023 conversations that we're having, a lot of these kids are pointing to what he did at Boston College. I know this isn't necessarily the, the, the week to talk about successful uh, endeavors on the offensive line, but we're just one week removed from them bringing the number one offensive lineman in the state of Pennsylvania's 2022 cycle into that class. And, and Phil Troutwine, I think it's a guy who does give you a bump. I think if, if you're working uh, ahead with Matt Grover again, great guy, uh, great to speak with, but you're not getting the kind of juice that you're getting right now with Phil Troutline, even without having the in-person recruiting, even without going and showing the offensive line out there, pushing around an opposing defensive front, you're still benefiting from that hire.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the guys that you still have questions about, uh, Taylor Stubblefield and John Scott, are the, are the guys that replaced guys that certainly moved up in Jared Parker to as the offensive coordinator for West Virginia and Sean Spencer to the Giants as the defensive line coach. So, I mean, those were two – you always think of – Jaywan Sider is the recruiter. Tyler Bowen's done a great job. Terry Smith's doing a very good job. Tim Banks this year in, in Michigan, but um, Spencer and Parker taking that chunk out of your recruiting staff, it certainly hurt. And that's going to be the, those are going to be the guys. I think they're under the microscope more than anybody else.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see what happens there, um, Sean. Anything else to add? We, we've, we're at almost an hour here on a Friday. I think we're we're going to end it and and just hold our breath and see what happens next in the Big Ten. But anything else to throw out there?
1: No, I'm at capacity goose. My, uh, kids are, are (laughs) here. My dog is about to go crazy. So I I'm shocked that I made it an hour without, uh, without any, uh, outside interference. So I'm going to leave it to you. And, and that's, that, that should be it for me. And and we'll, we'll get back with you next week.
0: Yeah. Happy Friday. Don't forget to set your fantasy lineups. It feels good to say that. And, uh, we'll get with you next week. Hopefully we have some positive news. If not, Uh, We'll join you in the sorrow and talk about this thing as it moves forward. Check out our content on lines 247com The latest on James Franklin's comments regarding conference action. The latest on recruiting and the NFL rookies who are set to hit the field on Sunday. For now, stepping aside, this is the Lions 24-7 podcast.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...